0: this is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hello, this is Griffin
0: McElroy. And this is wonderful.
1: Who's feeling fucking funny? (laughs) (laughs) Who's feeling like recording a podcast talking Uh. about the good stuff going on in the world? You? Nope. Me? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. But here we are. You're listening to us, which means we must have recorded this at some point today.
0: Griffin, like a real soothsayer, said, you know what? I don't think we're going to get an episode up on time. And I I said, uh, yes, that relieves me a little. It
1: was (laughs) Tuesday night. We were sweating the Georgia election results and like glued to it. And so I, I was like, I know we've been late lately because of the holidays and because of all the like COVID stuff that's been sort of in our sphere and uh, you know, that's, that's not great. And I, but I know we're stressed about these Georgia election results. So let's hold this baby off till Thursday when we're in a better headspace. <laughs> so now it's Thursday morning and we are recording this. I don't know how, how this is a show where we talk about good things that we like and that we're into. And that is a service that we uh, understand. We provide folks uh, of, of positivity and a nice positive space uh, and I don't know how necessarily to be a good steward of that today and I, I'm sure our listeners understand that but it would be fucking buck wild for us the day after a, like, <laughs> attempt to literally overthrow the government. We were like, but fucking combos are pretty cool. I
0: know. It does. It feels like we are uh, sitting at a news desk and somebody is giving a report and then they cut to us and we say, hey, Fruit Loops, though, guys. Yeah.
1: It's like we had a, a, <laughs> a feature about the kitty fashion show happening at the mall. But also there's like a there's a coup happening outside. Yeah. Um yeah, I really we're gonna do the episode and we have things to talk about yeah. and things that we are positive about. But I am fully cognizant of the fact that uh incredibly scary and uh important things that nobody should stop paying attention to are also happening. Out, you know, outside of our windows.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's important to take breaks. This is something that I try to do as a partner is I'll try and remind Griffin, like, you need to take breaks. And so maybe if you have scheduled a break and this is what you're doing, that feels good to me.
1: It is also, maybe after or before or in the middle of this episode won't stop you, a really great time to call your elected officials. Call, call five of them email them you know do whatever you can to tell them that uh what happened yesterday was a a terrorist attack uh and that there should be consequences for that fucking obviously yeah and then do whatever you can in the following you know days weeks months elections uh to just fucking un- unseat everybody responsible for it. Yeah. The thing I felt yesterday, in addition to the, f- the the fear and righteous anger, was this like level of determination to just fuck Ted Cruz's whole shit, like his whole life up, yeah. in a way that I haven't necessarily experienced before.
0: Yeah. I mean, we were we were fans of Beto. It wasn't like we we were. <laughs>
1: It, i was listening everything up to this point ted cruz has been my road dog no fucking look it
0: wasn't like we were like wait is he a bad guy
1: i know we're preaching to the choir i also know that like whenever we talk about stuff like this we do get tweets and messages and emails from people on the other side of the aisle from us talking about how disappointed they are and like if there are any of those people still listening to this show if uh, i am like begging you to really put what happened yesterday in the correct perspective, which was that Ted Ted Cruz at all uh, participated in, in a coup of the government. And like, you, I, you have to not be okay with that. Uh, I, I don't know. This is a futile effort. I recognize that and a bummer way to start out the show. But like, I don't I don't know what to do with this energy right now because yeah. it's uh, it's all I've been able to think about, and uh, I'm sure everybody else has too. So, like, let's just let's do our show. Let's yeah. do our episode. I think if we hadn't missed so many episodes lately, we fucking definitely, for sure, would not be doing one right now. Yeah. But we are. We are here, and please enjoy it, and let it give you a moment of levity, if that is something we can even provide right now. But yeah. holy shit, don't stop like staying alert (laughs) for, for what is happening right now. Um, okay. So do you have any small wonders?
0: Uh, I wanted to bring up fudge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) so as a pregnant woman, some of, uh, some of my options for, uh, relaxers are gone. Uh, but, uh, I looked up fudge cause I was like, how does one make fudge? It's incredibly easy. Now yeah. I say all this, I have not tried what I made yesterday, so I do not know <laughs> if it turned out good, but it's just like you melt chocolate and butter and condensed milk and then you put it in the fridge and I had no idea it was that easy. Mm. used to go over to my aunt's house at Christmas and she would make an assortment of fudge and I thought this woman is a magician and turns out nope sorry sorry aunt Sydney
1: (laughs) it's not that crazy yeah uh yeah I'm gonna say uh text message pharmacy services Oh. I appreciate I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, that is nice.
1: I lo- last week I I was running low on the on my brain fuel. <laughs> <laughs> the gas that makes my brain go right. And I was like, oh man, I'm not going to be able to get a hold of my psychiatrist on such short note. But then I just got a text message from CVS like, hey, do you want more of your brain medicine? And I was like, yeah.
0: (laughs) What's the catch? (laughs) Yeah. It was almost like
1: CVS was like, you are wicked going to need it next week, (laughs) my my man. So do you want us to send a text to your psychiatrist to get a, a refill? And I was like, yes. That was it. I showed up, got it. I know this isn't they, they haven't reinvented the wheel here But no, I, I, I freaking appreciate it no, no, I have no other sort of facet Of my health life well, yeah, That other people to, are thinking of me you like used that used to like
0: call the pharmacy And they'd ask you for your prescription number To refill it And I'd be like shoot I don't know what that yeah, is Yeah
1: but now I get like You know six eggplant emojis and Now
0: they're like you up Griffin some prayer hands <laughs> You
1: up How's your brain uh, You go first this week
0: I go first. So this is something I thought for sure we had talked about, but I did not see it on the website, and so I think it is Untrod Ground, okay. and that is Claymation.
1: All right. <laughs> Are we talking like uh, Ard- Ardman? Is that the name of the yeah, studio? Yeah, among
0: okay. others. But yeah, it's one of those things that uh, it just instantly grabs my attention.
1: I cannot think of anything other than uh, Parks and Rec the episode where uh adam scott's character oh god uh. what is his name gets like very ben wyatt ben wyatt gets very depressed when he uh gets <laughs> fired and video. so he makes his own four second video to uh shiny happy people
0: uh, <laughs> yeah that is really that's good that's really I good forgot about that um so everybody i'm sure knows what this is uh but i just to give some context um Shooting a thirty-minute claymation movie potentially requires making approximately twenty-one thousand six hundred stops to change the figures for the frames. A full-length ninety-minute movie, sixty-four thousand eight hundred, uh, and possibly more because you you know you get a hair or a smudge in there. Yeah, you know <laughs> you got. I guess I
1: haven't thought about it. Are are Claymation movies shot at 30 frames a second? It's It would seem excessive to do anything. Or what? Like movies are some weird like 27. So nor-
0: normal film runs at 24 frames per second. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking
1: of elite gamer shit right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't watch Wallace and Gromit anything less than 120 frames per second on my 4K monitor.
0: <laughs> I, needed,
1: I need I need. I need a wide field of vision if I'm going to no scope fools in my Wallace and Gromit movies.
0: There, there are a lot of tricks of the trade now. Uh, Feature length productions have generally switched from clay to rubber silicone and resin cast components. So just the idea, like it is, it's not going to get like a piece of dust stuck to it the right. way clay would. Um, but the, there's just something about it that really grabs me. Uh, I, I definitely loved the Wallace and Gromit films. Uh, and it, it, there's just something more endearing about it. I don't know. I I can't really explain why a cartoon doesn't like captivate me the same way claymation does, but, but it is definitely the case. There's something about
1: the physicality of it. There's something about the, the, and maybe this didn't like resonate with me as much when I was younger, but the, with claymation you can sort of see the amount of effort that went into yeah. the thing on on every scale whereas like with a 3D CGI movie like that is unless you kind of know how 3D animation works like you cannot imagine the work that goes into That's it. That's
0: true. The limitations are so clear, right? Like with Wallace and Gromit it was really just like on on Gromit the dog there were eyes and a mouth. And then just the little eyebrow fold did like so much work and you realized like this is what they have. It's kinda like, you know, puppeteering in a way of just like a the face is set and you are just moving the tiniest part of the face to communicate emotion. And right. It's, it's it's fascinating.
1: I think Kubo and the Two Strings is not claymation, but ah, I forget the name of it. I remember watching a behind the scenes. Like making of of just like one shot from Kubo and the Two Strings of being like, <laughs> holy god, how does anybody do this?
0: Yeah, and Ardman did start moving away, so the movie flushed away uh, right. was a CGI replication of clay animation. So there, there, there are definitely some changes being made, um, but the the big starting point. So the first like claymation film. Uh, was done back in 1908. Um, and this is like a silent film. And it was like, it was a spoof of the presidential election with Roosevelt.
1: Oh, I bet that was funny. <laughs>
0: I watched it.
1: Oh, you can watch it?
0: Yeah, it's on YouTube. And it's just a bunch of men getting in in a fight, in a bar, and then one man goes to jail and he goes to sleep. And while he's sleeping, these busts of the presidential candidates appear, and you can see them, like, slowly be pieced together into who they are, like, which candidate they are. Uh, Dang, it,
1: that sounds that sounds <laughs> like biting criticism. But, but
0: these, like, clay busts, they, they don't, like, talk. They're not animated. It's just, like, you see the clay, make it, and then you're like, oh.
1: Oh, I get it. <laughs> you know there's people who watched that back in 1908, like, Oh he didn't. <laughs> he did not. Oh my god.
0: Um claymation as i think we know it really took off with uh like Gumby mm-hmm. and Davy and Goliath.
1: Oh sweet Davy and Goliath.
0: Uh Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman.
1: I just remembered that my dad used to quote that all the time, like as a joke, not in the manner that it was intended, but like if one of us did something wrong, he would always go, God knows, Davy. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> I guess there was an episode where Davy was just being a real r- ripscallion and being like, so what? I didn't get in trouble. God knows Davy. <laughs>
0: Um, that was actually when I was looking at this, the Davy and Goliath was something that was given to the networks for free.
1: I remember. No, I've watched a making of Davy and Goliath, I think partially (laughs) because how did that, how did that happen? How did somebody make a free claymation show for networks to use? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was
0: paid for by the church as I understand.
1: Imagine. Yes. Imagine.
0: Yeah. Um, but Gumby and, and Davy, same, same creator.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't think I knew that or remembered it.
0: Um, so the, the Ardman that, that I'm familiar with actually started back in the eighties. Um, Nick Park joined Ardman in 1985 and the first, uh, film they put out was Creature Comforts in 1989.
1: I've never heard, of, heard of that film.
0: Oh, it's very good. It's, it's filmed like documentary style and it's, uh. Speaking to animals in in captivity. Oh, that's that's fun. Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> it's it's not exactly lighthearted. Um, no, because it is a lot of animals. You know what?
1: Of... I do. We watched a documentary about Aardman. Yeah, I remember because it's a lot th- of
0: animals kind of complaining about the the zoo conditions.
1: I remember that their studio burned down, and my mind could yeah. not process the amount of like yeah. film history that was probably lost in that in that event. Wow, this is a fun. This is not a bummer episode at all. <laughs>
0: Um, but, uh, Nick Park, since joining Ardman, they've received a total of six Academy Award nominations and have won four. Wow. Uh, with Creature Comforts, as I mentioned, A Grand Day Out, uh, was nominated, Wrong Trousers, Close Shave, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit, uh, and they're, you know, they're still doing stuff today. Sean the Sheep. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's huge. Really, hugely successful. Um... And uh, there's been any other number. I don't know Tim Burton did like a like a pirate. One, oh yeah, uh, that they were involved with. They'd done commercials. Uh, you can always kind of recognize it. Absolutely. I feel like there's something about the style, um, and that you're just immediately like, oh, that must be. If they Ardman. have tall
1: heads with two sort of conjoined eyeballs, yeah. it's <laughs> an Aardman feature.
0: <laughs> it's true. Um, yeah, I. I this is the kind of thing that it will probably. I mean, you know, I mentioned that the flushed away film uh, was moved to CGI. I imagine claymation is not something that will, will you know, have a huge boom anytime soon. But I you don't say think that, it'll go away either.
1: You say that, but then you do get the like uh, Coraline, Kubo and the Two Strings. You yeah. get. The, I mean, technically, like Lego Movie is not that far out like obviously they use a lot of sort of cgi uh post-production stuff but a lot of that was uh stop motion as well um yeah i think i think there's enough of that stuff going on yeah um can i do my first thing yes my first thing i don't know if you've ever had any exposure to my first thing i'll be curious to see but my first thing is hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy
0: oh so i played the computer game i
1: love that about you
0: um I had a lot of people recommend the book to me. I never read it.
1: I did. I did read it when I was in, I think, like middle school, and it was. Uh, I
0: had a friend in high school uh, that was a drummer in a band called The Hitchhikers, and used to carry around a copy of that book. Oh, that's it was great! Was very much his aesthetic in high school.
1: I get it for sure. <laughs> uh, so,
0: Hitchhikers Guide to the Galaxy
1: is a sort of multimedia franchise uh the books there were i think six of them uh that i've only read i think the first two and from what i understand there's a sort of decline in in quality as they go along uh and most of them though were written in the the whole sort of series was created by douglas adams uh and it's a science fiction series but it's a like very comedy forward science fiction series about sort of a group of misfits traveling around the galaxy uh which Ends up being a much stranger galaxy than than you would assume. Um, and what I didn't know is that before the books, it was a radio series. It was a comedy radio series on BBC Radio Four, um, and then the book was adapted from the radio series. I thought for sure that it was the other way around because that seems like a weird like direction for the adaptation to go in.
0: Yeah, yeah. You don't usually hear about. It happening that direction.
1: Yeah, um, but it, after being a BBC radio series, that was 1978 when it first aired. Uh, I think a year later, the first Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book adaptation came out, uh, and since then, like there have been books, there have been comics, there have been stage shows. Uh, the TV series is actually. The first time I, I think it was like 83 that the TV series came out. Oh, that wow. was my first actual exposure to it. And then I read the book after that. The TV series I, I love. There was also a movie that came out in 2005 yeah, with uh, Zoe Deschanel and Martin Freeman and some of it. It was fine. Most Deaf, I believe, uh, <laughs> uh, played Ford Prefect. Um, so the, the, the books are uh, mostly about this guy, Arthur Dent, who is on earth with his friend Ford Prefect, who turns out to be an alien, uh, and an alien race called the Vogons come to demolish earth because it's in the way of a planned highway, the interspace, interspace highway they're planning to build. But Ford Prefect helps Arthur Dent hitchhike off of earth. So he's the last living human man, uh, and to he gets picked up by, uh, The president of the galaxy, Zaphod Beeblebrox, uh, who is traveling with a human woman named Trillian,
0: the comfort with which you said that name, Zaphod Beeblebrox. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: it's. Uh, he is a major character. He's a two-headed alien president of the galaxy, uh, who is played uh, was played by Sam Rockwell in the oh, movie, which is see, really sounds, good. Cra- really this good casting. Like charming casting. The well, I think it helps that the books themselves, like the story itself, is so is so charming and so so dense and so exceptionally British. And that's what I think really, really works. And what's what, what makes it, it really stand the test of time is there is a style of British comedy that was especially prevalent back then, like Python, where which was like saying these completely nonsensical things. And these really irreverent things in a really dry, matter-of-fact way. That is essentially what the titular Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is. It is a book that exists. Ford Prefect is a writer for this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And constantly throughout the book, the Hitchhiker's Guide will deploy these like explanations of... What this this bureaucratic alien race is like, or how this thing works in space, and it's always nonsense delivered in the the driest way. Like I think Stephen Fry was the narrator for the movie. I forget who was the narrator for the other series, but it's just like, oh yes, the 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 this ship travels by improbability. Like it's the wildest ideas that are delivered so scientifically and matter of fact. Yeah, see
0: that would have helped me because when I tried to play that DOS game. I never got anywhere. Like I didn't, I like, I would play it for like 30 minutes and I could never get past like the opening moment.
1: <sighs> well, it helps that old adventure games were famously <laughs> completely bat nonsensical. Like use this, use the, I think the famous example is like in one of the uh, monkey Island games, you had to like use a rubber pulley with a chicken to like make something yeah. to cross a ravine. Um What, what, kicks ass about hitchhiker's guide is like you add this thing of of dry british comedy kicked up to unknown degrees because then you start doing that with sci-fi and and really great shit happens but while it is sort of a send-up of sci-fi there are ideas in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that are really fucking cool and really like smart and actually have been kind of foundational for Sci fi moving forward. So, like, the big the, the the concept that is brought up a lot is the babble fish, is like something that uh, is explained very early on by The Hitchhiker's Guide. And it's a little tiny fish alien that you put in your ear. And then anything that it hears, it automatically translates into a language you can understand. And so, just everybody in the galaxy has a babble fish in their ear. Oh. So, that gets around, like, hey, how come all of the aliens speak English? Uh, and so, the book is kind of full, like, the series is full of stuff like that. That's like, you know, uh, sci-fi is kind of obsessed with explaining things practically to you. Like, and here's how this works. And here's what, here's how they travel through, uh, you know, wormholes. And here's how they're all breathing. And here's what they eat. And Hitchhiker's Guide had answers for all that stuff that were bonkers. But they yeah. were kind of cool from time to time.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. I don't think I realized how influential that was until you said Babblefish out loud. Because I remember that. Yeah. Being a... Uh, Like a search engine,
1: yeah. And the story—the story (laughs) itself was so like weird, but heady and cool. Basically, uh, Arthur Dent learns that Earth was a supercomputer that was trying to solve the answer to life, the universe, and everything. That's where forty-two. Do you know how like forty-two is like a thing people talk about, like a number that that is brought up a lot as a joke, like 42 no. is the answer. That's where this comes from. Oh, This supercomputer determines that the number 42 is the answer to what is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. And then they have no. to go about figuring out what the actual question is that 42 is the answer to. It's like, that's a wild idea yeah. that the Earth has a supercomputer uh, and it is like a cool sci-fi idea that's like you know jokes aside like and just i don't know a, a rad concept and that's what i really love about these books is like they are funny but they also bring up like kind of thought-provoking sci-fi ideas so uh and it's also just so charming
0: yeah i just
1: i just really like hitchhiker's guide um hey can i hitch hitchhike you with you all the way to stealing you away for the way for the ads of course all right
0: to get 50% off.
1: We got a couple Jimbo here. Do you want to hear them? Please. This one's for Beth, and it's from Ryan, who says, Beth, thank you for being such a kind, patient, and wonderful wife. Your constant support means the world to me. I love you and all our many pets. Want to go out sometime? Ryan, Goose, and the whole gang. Is Ryan, Goose, and the whole gang asking Beth on a date? Is that what's happening in the mess? I think that's the pets. Are I- the, pets the answer stands. I mean, the question is, the question stands.
0: Well, and I think, Ryan, you should have given yourself some space in that maybe Beth doesn't want all the pets there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm going to say that Ryan would probably be okay if the pets weren't there.
1: Yeah. And I'm also wondering if the goose is a pet, is it an actual graceful, long-necked bird? (laughs) Graceful is not the word I would actually use to describe a goose. Yeah,
0: that's not something I typically associate with geese. Yeah.
1: You want to read this next one?
0: Yes. Uh, This message is for Maddie. It is from AJ. Hey, Maddie. I just wanted to say that I'm so proud of you for making it through 2020, all the way from retail during a pandemic to brain surgery. I still can't believe you have a 3D printed bone in your head now. We've had a great few years together so far, and I'm so excited to see what comes next. I love you so much, AJ.
1: That rules... That I mean, it's it's I I hope you are doing well. And brain surgery obviously is nothing to fuck with. But that's some that is some cyberpunk shit.
0: Bone, I love that. I do
1: too. I mean, what kind is? I mean,
0: Griffin, you've got a three D printer now.
1: It's true. Let me print out some bones. Yeah. Is the bone their whole skull? Because I would just go with the Dan Aykroyd vodka skull, the crystal skull. How do you I
0: would... think a skull works? How do
1: I think a skull works? <laughs> I guess it's a few bones, huh?
0: Yeah, there's more than one. That's fair.
1: Hey, I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington.
0: And I'm Elliot Kalen. Together we're The Flophouse. A podcast where we watch a bad movie and then talk about it. Movies like Space Hobos, Into the Outer Reaches of the Unknown and the Things That We Don't Know, the movie, and also, Who's That Grandma?
1: Zazzle Zippers, Breakdown 2, and Backhanded Compliment, Elvis is a Policeman, Baby Crocodile, and the Happy Twins, Leftover Potatoes, Station Wagon 3,
0: Herbie Goes to Hell, New episodes available every other Saturday. Available at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.
1: Bye. Uh, You want to tell me about that there, second thing you got going on right there? Yeah, my second
0: thing is a musical group called Best Coast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have been thinking about Best Coast for a while now as a topic uh, and was kind of not sure because it was one of those situations where you assumed, like, everybody knows Best Coast, right? I don't uh, think that's true. I don't think that's true. And also, they had a new album come out in February 2020. So, Whoa, really? exactly a year ago. Yeah. Hmm. No idea. Uh, this happens to me a lot uh-huh. <laughs> where I'll like have a band that I really like from like 2010, and then I kind of lose touch. Absolutely. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, it's been a while, huh? Let me see. And then it's like, just so happens they had an album come out like the month before. Right. Um, Best Coast is a rock duo uh, that formed in L.A. in 2009. It is Bethany Constantino on vocals uh, and uh, Bob Bruno. It's a multi-instrumentalist. Uh, and I saw Best Coast at South by Southwest.
1: I feel like Best Coast is... I apologize for yawning. Uh, I feel like Best Coast is one of those bands that everybody in Austin knows about because of th- yeah. the exposure we got through South by Southwest and Austin City Limits.
0: Yeah, although I feel like – so Crazy For You was the band's debut album, and it came out in 2010. And I feel like for whatever reason, I think it was just the group of friends and the time period. Like, I feel like I knew about that album actually before I went to South by Southwest because I remember intentionally going to a venue where I knew they would be playing. So they – after that album came out, uh, they spent a lot of 2011 on the road for festival appearances and tour dates. Um, the w- album I didn't know about was The the Only Place, which came out in 2012. Totally missed that one. Um, and then when they did California Nights in 2015, back on board. Yeah. Aware of that one. Um, and uh, there's just something about... So Bethany uh Costantino uh, has this voice and this energy that is just like it is dreary and poppy at the same time. It's very Rilo Kylie kind of in that you're like like it feels safe to be sad here, but also I'm kind of having a good time being sad. It's like a
1: <laughs> it's like a kind of uh this is going to make me sound kind of douchey, but sort of like that sort of washed out Southern California, like dream, yeah. dreamlike sound that uh, the kids are just going crazy for these days.
0: Yeah. So the guardian described the sound as a lo-fi sixties garage rock and surfing band, Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was pretty apt. Uh, so B- Bethany started writing uh, music at age 15 And her inspiration is kind of all over the place. It's kind of like this traditional, like Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez, Bob Dylan, and also Weezer and Blink-182.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) I feel like it's a really good, like, amalgamation of, like, influences that a musician would have in that time period. Um, But she kind of got her start uploading music to MySpace Hmm. uh, and was in a band briefly called Pocahonted. Which at one point opened for Sonic Youth. Uh, But then she left that band to go to college in New York, uh, where she was pretty miserable uh, because moving, and I'm sure this happens to a lot of people, moving from like sunny California to like congested, you know, like dark New York, especially those winters, was not a pleasant experience for her. So she dropped out of college. Uh, came back, got a part time job, and started working on music with her current uh, music partner Bob Bruno. Um, she she had kind of a hard time because when Crazy for You came out in 2010, uh, it got some criticism. I I loved it. Um, I loved that album. Um, very very poppy, much poppier than her her later stuff. But, you know, like outlets, and I'm sure you felt this when you were working at Polygon, but outlets like Pitchfork kind of gave her some criticism for, you know, her like more fundamental rhyme schemes and the kind of like these topics of like, you know, being in love in California and, and, you know, just kind of just a little bit of a critical eye at kind of the more simplistic aspects. And she says openly, she's like, I read everything like I read everything and it was devastating to me. Uh and it really like crippled me for a while and I had a really hard time.
1: What's uh, wild is like moving forward. Now though, like that's the shit. Like I feel like the 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 albums that blow up now are not as sort of I don't know, v- verbose, like it's um yeah, it's not all like Joanna Newsom level like yeah. uh Po- poetic imagery but you
0: know when you're an indie rocker and you're trying to do something, absolutely
1: yeah you
0: know and, and i think also and, and she has been kind of an advocate for being a woman in this position trying to make rock music you know is is different and that she was kind of given more scrutiny perhaps right. than she would have otherwise uh And so anyway, we've been talking a long time. I wanted to play a song off of uh, California Nights called Feeling Okay, uh, that I think will give a good kind of vibe for that music. Uh, so there was a five-year gap in between the, the new album and California Nights. Um, Best Coast toured with Waves. I guess for a while, Ooh. Bethany was, uh, dating the, um, frontman at the time. And they also toured with Paramore and and i wasn't aware of this they released a children's album called best kids (laughs) hey that's great (laughs) which i have not heard yet but i was excited uh and then and there was a short-lived television show with fred savage called what just happened uh which i never watched but it was like a parody of those like after shows yeah uh and uh they served as the house band on that. that show that's great um but she she really spent the time she developed these like what she calls destructive patterns and I read this interview where she said quote my self-care at the time was like oh I just get really fucked up and watch Bravo yeah (laughs) which is what a lot of us do yeah that's uh but I think she realized that it was really kind of uh hampering her artistic output uh and so she has since um embraced sobriety and spent a lot of time kind of focusing on being present. And that is what has led to the new album, which I listened to recently, it was very good. She said traditionally she would write a song and then go to her bandmate and he would make the music. And during this like period of extreme challenge for her, she basically just went to her bandmate and said, can you write the music and I'll write the song? Like it took like a tremendous amount of humility on her part of like, I am not getting anything done. And that's what helped put this new album together. And it's great. That's cool. I recommend it.
1: Uh, I'm gonna do my second thing real fast because I know you need to hop off here in a bit. Safety Town. (laughs) You know it. You know it from the the Hit My my Bim Bam TV show. Assuming, I mean, everybody was subscribed to CISO. So like, (laughs) I'm assuming everybody knows about Safety Town. Uh, I it is a thing in Huntington, but I uh, came to learn while we were shooting that show that it is also a thing that is kind of everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's, it was a modular thing in my town. So Safety Town was brought to you when I was a kid.
1: Oh, interesting. They didn't. We have did not have a fixed
0: location like you did.
1: Um, there's lots of places that have that fixed location. So. Safety Town is a, a an educational facility for like elementary school age children to teach you about just sort of general safety uh, with a focus on traffic and sort of pedestrian uh, best practices, let's call them, but also like uh, fire, guns, drugs, poison, flooding, earthquakes, like whatever. Whoa. Yeah. So the heart of Safety Town is like there's an educational building where you go in and you get kind of briefed on all of this stuff. And then, you know, then once you're patient enough, you get to go outside to this mini replica city with go karts that look like service vehicles, essentially, where you learn how like traffic works and you learn mm-hmm. how to you learn what the signs on the road mean and you learn how to obey traffic lights and, and you know, walk uh, crosswalk signals and like all of that stuff um and ours was like huntingtons was very well maintained like our safety town was taken very seriously evidenced by the fact that me and Justin and Travis got in a lot of trouble because we did (laughs) safety town wrong as adults filming a comedy show Yeah, that's the level of scrutiny to be fair
0: you did in your adult body climb into one of those vehicles and drive it around I was allowed to
1: do that it was the stealing of the batteries and moving of the huge expensive (laughs) batteries that I guess was what got us kicked out of safety town Um, but like you'd go there on a field trip which like I want to do a whole segment about field trips I saw some Idea. tweet like, why is it that the air on the morning of field trips like always hit different? And somebody responded to that like, it's like kind of foggy and a little bit like dewy outside. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit, what's going on? <laughs> yes, it was. This is probably what got me thinking about Safety Town. Yeah. Um, I always thought that like I've talked about my weird relationship with school before. Where like I tested really well, and I was I was a I was a terrible student like I didn't give a shit about learning anything but I was really good at like kind of memorizing stuff just enough to get good grades and keep going by but anytime like something practical came about I was like all about it because I was like oh I've always been curious about this actual thing that I experience every day and so as a little kid you don't that is not a part of the required education. Like how do, how do traffic do like, how are you actually (laughs) supposed to be safe on the streets when you are in the car with your, your parents, your guardians, whatever, and they are driving around and stopping at certain points and giving right away. Like what does all that stuff outside the car window mean? And this was a chance for you to actually finally kind of crack that code. And I thought that that was so huge, like so revolutionary. Um, And it's not like driver's ed, right? Because you're essentially driving a big box with a gas pedal and a handbrake. Uh, And also, wicked, there were accidents. Like, the other (laughs) thing about Safety Town is that when it is in use... It is explicitly not the safest place on earth because you got a bunch of kids driving around big go-karts yeah. while other kids are trying to cross the streets. And there's, like, three adults trying to, like, lock the whole thing down. See,
0: we just – well, I'm curious about the age, actually, because when we did Safety Town, it was, like, elementary school, like, real early kindergarten kind of age. And we were using tricycles.
1: Uh pfft. So, but you had we were like second, powered- second, third grade.
0: Okay. Um, See, at that point, didn't you kind of already know like I should stop when? Oh yeah, line I is mean red? The, the the
1: the the accidents mostly happened because of uh, lack of knowledge about how to operate a go car. <laughs> So, like, I ran a red light in the mail truck, and I got, like, put in basically timeout for, like, 10 minutes where I had to get out of the car and I couldn't do anything. It was absolutely humiliating. Um, So Safety Town kind of got started in 1937. There was a dude whose name was Friend Bowles, which is strong. My name is Friend, F-R-E-N-D, Friend Bowles, B-O-A-L-S. He saw a car hit a kid, and that, like, really left an impact on him yeah. and so he started this sort of like traffic education school which grew in 1964 there was a nursery school teacher named Dorothy Child who is which is also like a wild name for a preschool <laughs> teacher uh, who opened the National Safety Town Center in Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio and then I guess it just kind of franchised out from there um, but yeah it just kind of boggles my mind the amount of like important practical education I didn't receive growing up yeah. and that was not prioritized at all on like a state level uh, and so I am genuinely glad that Safety town was there to like in a very fun way because driving go-karts is fun like teach me about safety
0: I mean, yeah that's good. yeah that that blows me away that they have this like dedicated location in Huntington where kids get to go on field trips like that makes it like fun and like it makes it seem like relevant and important
1: yeah uh, okay submissions from our friends at home Becca says love me a casserole that's lunch for the week baby
0: that is really nice god we never make we never do well like,
1: here's casserole.
0: the thing we'll always eat it the next day and then never again that's
1: true well <laughs> okay you're giving yourself a lot of credit there I don't really <laughs> dig leftovers like after two days after the fact Rachel will yeah, Rachel's a staunch I will I'll for, take
0: a day off and then I'll come back on day three and be like can i griffin's like probably not
1: uh rachel another rachel says rosemary smells great and tastes good on potatoes that's all i need agreed hard agree firm agree gotta love rosemary throw it on some steaks and sous vide them sous vide rosemary like imparts that rosemary stink in a way that is indescribable i love
0: rosemary i just like walking down the street somebody's got in their front yard you rub your hands on it and that's good like why even shower that day
1: when you get uh <laughs> when you fry something that has rosemary on it and then like yeah. you're eating it and you get that little crispy little mm. crunchy little rose mm. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, we got to wrap up here. Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song. Money won't pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And thank you to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Yeah, go check out all the great shows there, like Stop Podcasting Yourself and Story Break and
0: One Bad Mother, One Bad Mother, and many, 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 many
1: more. This was this was nice getting to do this with you. I'm I'm kind of not looking forward to stopping just knowing kind of what's yeah
0: uh, well just don't get back on the internet i got to uh
1: please please hang in there please contact your elected officials yeah and um just stay stay safe and and take uh, breaks take take breaks but also
0: i know stay vigilant but take breaks you're a person you're a a robot
1: you're not a robot um and uh yeah hang in there
0: yeah
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>